The Perfect Ten. With Steve Allen, voice of the NRL and six-time Radio Award winner. Welcome to The Perfect Ten, episode 46, coming up in just a few moments' time. Abby Wilcox. What a comeback story this is. I've said it before, but I think it's one of the best stories in Australian sport at the moment. I can't wait to share it in a few moments. Abby's had three knee surgeries, missed her chance at competing at the Beijing Games, almost gave the sport away, and went to work for the Brisbane Broncos in sports marketing. And then last week, after four years off the podium, she finishes third at Deer Valley in the United States, which is regarded as the Super Bowl of the sport. We'll get to Abby in a hotel room in Quebec in just a few moments' time. Thanks for all your feedback on our last episode. We had the super coach from the World Surfing Tour, Glenn Micro Hall, on the podcast. He tipped Molly Picklam to win the World Championship. And what a start she got off to at Pipeline. Molly creating history as the first woman to score a perfect 10 at the legendary break on Hawaii's North Shore. A backhand barrel. And this is how it unfolded. Some commentary from the World Surf League and Joey Turpel. Molly putting her head down, grabs the rail of the pipeline, pulls up and under. She's still going and gets the exit. Oh, goodness. You little legend, you. This was absolutely insane. Grabs the rail, pulls up underneath the lip, comes flying out with the spin. In that, wow. For me, that was so technical. So, so, so technical she, and so hard to do on your backhand. She held that rail for so long. It was just so beautiful to watch. I'm, I'm, my jaw's to the floor right now. This was just... Yeah, it's going to be near perfect, this. You know, her technique coming off the bottom there, the way she's able to pull up on that outside rail and just get in the tube and she was so deep. There we go. There we see it. A 10-point ride to kick off the year. Molly Picklum. That is Joey, also Flick, and Laura Anover, a legend in her own right, in commentary at the World Surf League, with Molly Picklam scoring a perfect 10. She finished runner-up behind Californian young gum teenager Caitlin Simmers. Well, from the celebration of Pipeline to the sheer devastation of losing the men's marathon world record holder, anyone who's heard my broadcasting career would know how much I love middle distance, the marathon, even ultra marathon. In 2021, we had Pat Farmer, one of the greatest ultra marathon runners of all time, join us on the Perfect 10. So to hear the news that Kelvin Kiptum has passed away, this young man, well, let me say, I never thought I'd see anyone run faster than Elliot Kipchoge. Kiptum has run his first four marathons, creating history in sub two hours and two minutes and then in Chicago runs two hours and 35 seconds. It's mind-blowing stuff. His coach also passed away so such sad news this week at the tender age of 24 so to everyone in Kenya where they're mourning at the moment and to the running community worldwide all we can do is send our condolences and a young man taken way too soon. Just before we go to Abby Wilcox, it's a warm welcome back to the Perfect Ten for the Operations Manager with Robson Civil Projects, our naming rights partner, Greg Ferguson. 
Welcome back. Thanks, Steve. Great to be here, mate. Always a pleasure to be on The Perfect Ten. We're off to a flying start in 2024 with Glenn Micro Hall, the super coach on the world tour. And you would have seen over the weekend, he coaches Molly Picklam, first woman ever to score a perfect 10 at Pipeline. Amazing for Molly. It's um, I did see it, and uh, the backhanded barrel that she was in was just unbelievable. And you'd love the Abby Wilcox story. So almost gave the sport away. After four years, she's back on the podium, and the dream is still alive to compete at the Winter Olympics in 2026. No, no, it's unbelievable, isn't it, really? Like, you think that there's the every opportunity that you're going to give it away and then, t- you know, to come back like that's fantastic stuff. Greg, people have told me you do a Steve Allen impersonation. Would you like to do that on the Perfect Ten? Well, yeah. Look, fantastic, and thanks for asking, Steve. Yeah, I uh, sometimes sometimes I go out and, uh, you know, mimic your second cousin, Reg. I spend a fair bit of time up here on the beach at Palm Beach, Corumba, and in the Speedos, you know, and uh, love working on the tan. I think that deserves some kind of ovation. Oh, there we go. That's what the studio audience think. Well, Fergie, we better get this podcast back on track. Stay with us. We'd like to hear more about Robson Civil Projects in 2024, including the apprenticeship program that you've got running there. Stay in the green room. Be on your best behaviour. We'll come back to you in a few moments' time. We're going live to Quebec. And one of the best comeback stories, not just in Australian sport, but world sport, Abby Wilcox, back on the podium at Deer Valley after a four-year absence. Let's not forget, too, she also got cut from the Australian team and had to fund herself for years on end. And now the dream could be alive. 2026, the Winter Olympic Games in Italy is definitely on the horizon. Abby Wilcox, welcome to The Perfect Ten. Thanks for having me. Hey, congratulations. I want to start with last weekend, back on the podium after four years at a venue you absolutely love, Deer Valley. Yeah, it was an unreal feeling to finally be back on the podium after many ups and downs in the last four years. Yeah, and Deer Valley is just like the Super Bowl of freestyle skiing, so always love performing there. Can you try to encapsulate what's happened in the last four years to get back on the podium? Yeah, I mean... Four years ago, um, my skiing was going in a really good direction and unfortunately a year later I broke my leg and that took me out of the season and then really um, hurt my chances of making the Olympics after that as well. So it was a long recovery. I had to have three surgeries on my knee all up to make it better. Um, And then because of everything that happened, I took a year off I started full-time work and I thought, why not give it a go again? Um, you know, the, the love for it's still there and I just really wanted to go out there and, and see what I could do. And, um, yeah, I'm really loving it at the moment. Gee, you have to be strong mentally because I think at the time you are ranked number seven in the world and on target for Beijing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it was very heartbreaking to, to go through that. That was one of the toughest periods I'd been through alongside COVID as well. Like I broke my leg and I was sitting in hotel quarantine um, with a broken leg before I could even get surgery. And I was wondering if I can even make it to the Olympics. Um, Yeah, it was, it was a tough slog to get through, but yeah, unfortunately it didn't happen, but um, that's okay. Uh, I learned a lot from it and I've grown a lot from it. Were there people who suggested maybe, walk away from the sport? Yeah, I think there are a few people out there that 
said maybe maybe it's not for you. And to be honest, like even I thought that. I thought, you know, maybe I should just stop and and get, you know, keep going this job that I love doing and, and see where that takes me instead of pursuing the athlete path. But I still felt like there was something in me. Um, I felt like I had a little bit more to give to the sport. So, yeah, I've just I, uh, I put the boots back on and just focused on loving it instead of getting results, um, and that's worked out really well. Abby, your score last week, 76.85. You're very close to the overall win, but can I just say my observation? You're waiting for the score. It looks excruciating. I've <laughs> never seen you so nervous, anxious, serious. I couldn't believe the expression on your face until that score comes through. Yeah, I I didn't know what to expect, to be honest. As I said, like I've just been focusing on loving the sport this year, so... I was just out there jumping um, because I loved it and and loved jumping in front of the crowd. So I wasn't expecting to get a podium. And, yeah, and I know that life can throw some some crazy things at you too, so I wasn't sure what to expect. But, yeah, it was was an unreal feeling and so many emotions came through when when that score came up and I realised I was back on the podium. Yeah, we actually saw a count back to decide the winner. Yeah, I know. yeah, unfortunately, my teammate didn't win, but you know, second is also an incredible achievement, and to have two Aussies on the podium is—it's great to share it with a fellow teammate. So, the Aussie team—are you based in Quebec, Canada, at the moment? Uh, we have a World Cup here coming up, but no, we've we've kind of been all over the place. Um, usually, in our off-season training, we're in Brisbane, um, and then. We're in America, Switzerland, Finland, you know, anywhere that the World Cup Tour takes you, which is all around the world for six or five months between November and March. So try to explain to our audience just the the mental toughness that you have because I feel like it's the best story in Australian sport at the moment, you getting back to the podium. Uh, let's mm. not forget, it's four long years. You miss out on your, your dream of going to the Olympics, although I do remember you thought that you'd be at your absolute peak by Italy in 2026. So <laughs> that's something to look forward to. But, gee, I tell you, when it comes to mental toughness, you're made of stern stuff. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's it's been a tough road. I mean, I think I've I've had everything thrown at me. Like, I was kicked out of the team six years ago and and I had to um, pay my way to get back into the Australian team and and train with the Swiss team. Um, That was such an incredible experience but a really hard one because Australia did not want me. Um, But then I eventually got got back in and I got a podium after that and then, you know, you have injury, you miss out on the Olympics and you kind of think like, do I keep going or, or is like, are all these things telling me to stop or are they, are they telling me that like you're made of something more and you can keep pushing? So I think like this journey has been incredible so far, like so much, I've learned so much from it. It's really made me uh, grow as a person and the, the sporting achievements are incredible, but growing as a person is, is uh, really what I've gotten out of this all um, so far. I noticed the other day you did the back lay full. Can mm-hmm. you tell our audience what that entails? Yep. So that's two flips and one twist. 
that's one of the the more basic skills that I can do on snow. But um, in the past, I've done two flips and three twists. So this year, because I've just come back, I've sort of just been like kept it uh, at the basic skill level, um, and then I'll continue working on um, the harder skills as I go forwards. Abby, when I interviewed you, it might have been around 2021. I think you said that you want to push the sport for women. What does that look like? Yeah, I mean, it's actually a really exciting time in aerials right now for women. Um, There are a lot of girls up on the triple kicker. So we have three different sized jumps in aerials. There's the single, the double and the triple and yeah, the single, you do a single flip, double, you do two flips, triple, you do three flips. So now there are a few girls on the triple. Um, it's just really exciting because it's pushing the sport for the girls. And I would love to be one of those girls one day, being up there um, day in, day out, doing some of the hardest jumps. For our audience, I think they all love aerial skiing. Like we've seen our great champions at the Winter Olympic Games, but Can you give us some numbers in terms of speed and height that you guys reach? It looks like you're falling from a three- to four-storey building to land on snow. Yeah, that's exactly it. Depends on the jump you do, but it it can be two, three storeys high. Um, And you're skiing skiing in anywhere between 55 and 65 k's an hour um, to to go into those jumps. So if something goes wrong, it's... um, it's not great because you're at such a speed and, and at falling from such a height in the sky as well. But that's why we train so much to, to get it right. And then right before takeoff, you've got somebody screaming some final instructions at you. How do you handle that? Yeah. Um, so our coach is always at the jump. So when we're skiing in, we launch ourselves off the jump and our coach will yell at us something in the air so say if like I'm flipping too fast they'll yell out stretch which means make your body longer so you have a better chance of landing and if you're too slow they'll yell out pull so it means make your body shorter like in a in a tuck shape so you can get to your feet it's basically yeah the coach is there to help you be safe and to land your tricks as well so you've always got an ear on your coach which is um it's a unique thing about our sport. I think I met you maybe around 2014. You're scholarship holder number 48 with the Danica Clark Foundation and we became friends immediately. And I've always had a question for you that I'm not sure I've ever asked. Hmm. Are you somebody who loves the snow or are you a gymnast who's found herself in a sport that was totally foreign and has just become an absolute star? I... I didn't love the snow growing up. Like I went on family holidays to the snow. That was our annual holiday and I didn't love it. But it wasn't until I started skiing that I fell in love with it. But I think I fell in love with the people that it came with and and the world and the excitement and the, the adventures you get to go on. So that's a bit of a tricky question. I feel like I'm kind of somewhere in between. Like I started off as a gymnast that got thrown into this world, but I now feel like I'm I'm just a, a skier. You're very similar in a lot of ways to Matt Graham, who's won a Winter Olympic medal in mogul skiing. So mm-hmm. explain to our audience, I mean, you live five to 600 kilometres from the nearest ski fields. And how did you make that work? 
Yeah, well, I mean, I didn't start skiing um, full-time until I was 18. Before that, I was a gymnast until then, and then I basically packed up my things and, and gave aerial skiing a go. Somebody asked me if I wanted to try it, and I said, yep. Yeah, Let's uh, let's do this, and I went down to Mount Buller in Victoria and and skied, and then I went to America, and it took me two three years in the the development team, just kind of building up my skills before I could actually start doing the jumps properly um, when I was about twenty twenty one, and um, yeah, it's it's a lot of time away from home, that's for sure. I mean, now I'm in Brisbane. And there's a training center in Brisbane, so I'm in Australia so much more, which is incredible. It, it allows me to have a job and it allows me to have a bit of stability. But before that, it was so much time away from home. Yeah, we have to talk about the Brisbane Broncos at some point because that's been fantastic for you. But it seems like a lifetime ago, 2017, we met outside MBN Television in Gosford and you've been invited to your first ever World Cup Mm-hmm. And now we've been through a pandemic and you're back on the podium again. So I'm just absolutely delighted for you. You know, some of the greatest female athletes in Australian sport have been mentors or heroes of yours. Can you talk more about some of the great women in the sport? Yeah, um, Lydia Lassler. Like I had the opportunity to sort of train with her a little bit as I was starting. She's just incredible, um, the things she did to to get the gold medal at the twenty. 20- 10 Winter Olympics and and the first woman to do um, quadruple twisting, triple somersaults on snow. It's um, amazing to kind of have her in our team. And, yeah, I mean, Elisa Camplin, Jackie Cooper, they're, they're all along for the ride as well. So it's, it's incredible to have those legends of the sport um, at your fingertips if you need help. Hey, you mentioned that uh, a lot of French being spoken in Quebec can you give us a great to be on the perfect 10 in French? <laughs> no, not at all. I have no idea. <laughs> no, I, I know bonjour and uh, merci and that's about it. So now it's time to be a trailblazer. Do you feel like you can finish on the podium in back-to-back competitions? I mean, I would love to. I'm going to go out there and, and give it my best shot. Um, I'm just going to enjoy it along the way and, and see where it takes me. Um, yeah. As long as I'm up there loving what I do, um, that's the most important thing. Abby, what does the rest of the year look like? So I'm actually finishing up um, this season after this weekend and then I'm coming home and just going back to work um, at the Broncos and then I'll start training again. The Brisbane Broncos, Mm -hmm. has that just been a godsend for you? Because when I saw you there, you were just loving life. You know, they have given me a great opportunity to, to work there and expand my skill set. And, um, yeah, I mean, they're obviously doing so well as a team. It's very exciting to be a part of. Yeah, it's it's an incredible uh, experience, that's for sure. Can you give us your thoughts on one of the greatest grand finals we've ever seen and then share with our audience what your role is with Brisbane? Yeah, what a grand final, right? <laughs> Um, obviously from our side, it was, it was heartbreaking. That plane ride back home was, was heartbreaking to, to be a part of, but I mean, also Nathan Cleary is, is a freak, right? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, 
my role is um, I'm a marketing and game day coordinator, so um, I do a lot to do with the running the games um, at Suncorp Stadium and the marketing as well behind the Broncos. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a big beast to be a part of, but a really cool cool opportunity. Have you ever had the chance to address the players and talk about your journey? Uh, some of them know a bit about my journey, that's for sure. Um, I kind of like to keep like uh, my skiing life separate, my work life separate. You know, it's like I just want to be when I'm at the Broncos. I want to be what I am in that role. Um, when I'm not at the Broncos, I want to be the skier that I am. You know, um, but yeah, of course. I've had a, a couple of conversations with some of the players about it and, you know, the first reaction is like, you're a skier, but you're in Queensland. Like, how does that work, right? <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's funny. The water ramps in Brisbane, they're a game changer, aren't they? Absolutely, yeah, they are. They are the newest and the best and the only water ramps in the Southern Hemisphere that you can do aerial skiing on um that have the appropriate size jumps um there it's so great to be in brisbane you know that's going to be the hub of sport for many years to come leading into 2032 so yeah everything's everything's going to be in brisbane and it's cool to be a part of that when you said to me that you want to push the sport for women it reminded me of Nicola Oloschlager's knee Nicola McDermott because mm-hmm. she came on the Perfect 10 podcast and said she wanted to change the face of high jump forever. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you followed her. She's certainly done that, including That's- world medals, Olympic medals, and just recently started her season with the highest jump on Australian soil, 203 in Canberra. Mm-hmm. She's incredible. Um, to be from the Central Coast alongside athletes like herself and and Matt Graham. Like, it's just, it's a cool, beautiful little community that we're a part of. And she's so inspiring, um, the way that she uh, takes her training so seriously and and she's so diligent with what she does. Normally on The Perfect 10, we like to backtrack a little. You grow up on a property, but your parents are also heavily involved in working with uh, horses. Can you share that story? Yeah. um, So I... I grew up on property on the Central Coast and my mum's business um, and my dad as well, but mainly my mum, she um, did racehorse adjustments. So she was resting all the racehorses when they weren't racing. So we grew up on, on 21 acres, my brother and I. And yeah, it was um, at the time I thought, yeah, this is isolating. Like I would just, I'd really rather live around people and, and grow up around like, you know, more people. But, uh, yeah, looking back at it now, I mean, I'm so lucky to, to grow up on, on such a big space of land and, and be around animals all the time. Uh, I think she always wanted me to be into horse riding and horses because that's her love. And I did try it when I was younger and I, I liked it, but I like gymnastics more. So, yeah, she accepted that. She's she's very accepting and, and my dad as well, they've just been my biggest supporters from the beginning. Um, honestly, luckiest uh, luckiest person to have parents like that. Yeah, absolutely. They're beautiful. Uh, so your mum's the horse whisperer. What are you reading at the moment and what are you binging on if you get a chance to ever watch TV? Ah, good question. I've been um, binging a show called The Bear 
on Disney and I've really enjoyed that. It's about uh, basically a group of people making a restaurant work. It's uh, It's been really fun. And reading Emotion by Design, it's, it's about marketing essentially. Um, really enjoying that as well. What's the long-term plan on and off the snow? Uh, off the snow, I really like working in sporting events. So I think no matter what, I'm always going to be in sport. What that role looks like, I'm not sure, but I do love sporting events. So uh, that would be the long-term goal. On the snow, just make sure I keep enjoying it. I would obviously love to love to go to the Olympics. Um, that's the goal and, and do as well as I can there as well. But And as you said, push push the sport for women. But, um, yeah, the, the way I'm going to get there is by loving the sport and taking it step by step, day by day. So just focusing on that. We mentioned about Matt Graham earlier about the moguls. In his sport, they've got a dominant number one, Mikhail Kingsbury. Even before he hangs up the skis, the greatest of all time, no doubt about it. And you're in Canada at the moment, uh, his home country. What about in your sport? Is there someone that is you know, out and out number one at the moment? Uh, it's changing a little bit. I mean, we have two Aussies up there, Danielle Scott and Laura Peel. We've got a Canadian, Marion, um, and a an American named Winter as well. So uh, there's a lot of girls in the mix battling it out for that top spot at the moment. Um, all very exciting. Yeah, it's uh, we'll see in years to come what it's like. Yeah, I really like the interaction between yourself and Winter. Mm-hmm. After Deer Valley, it looks like you've got a really nice relationship. Yeah, I think everybody in Aerials has a, a really nice relationship with each other. I mean, we're all up there. No, not to be dramatic, but risking our lives at the end of the day. So we're all like cheering on each other, supporting each other, even though we're competitors. Um, so if something goes wrong, you know, we're all there for each other as well. So it's really nice. And I think you said earlier that Deer Valley is like the Super Bowl of the sport and it was pumping last weekend. It must be such a special place to compete. Oh, it's so special. Um you don't really get a crowd like that in freestyle skiing anywhere else on the World Cup tour. Um, it's it's just year after year they always bring it, and it's um, an incredible atmosphere. You can hear people cheering when you're at the top of the jumps, and kind of just have to calm yourself down a little bit because there's a lot going on. But yeah, it's it's unreal. Now I know I sent you a text saying this, but could you feel the love from back home when you're finally back on the podium yeah absolutely i mean all the messages i received and and the phone calls like it was it was beautiful um especially you know there's such a tight-knit community on the central coast as well um i always feel it from there it's it's great to be a part of well i think we've taken up enough of your precious time congratulations i'd rise and give you a standing ovation but i'm on camera here Uh, (laughs) congratulations so proud of you And awesome to have you as a guest on The Perfect Ten. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Abby Wilcox from her hotel room in Quebec. And she finished fifth in the final World Cup of the season. Now back to Brisbane with her job with the Brisbane Broncos. I've seen Abby at Red Hill 
and it's a magnificent setup. What a franchise the Broncos are. Premiers in 92, 93, 97, 98, 2000, and 2006. And so great to see Abby bounce back after years of hardship in the sport that she loves. The podcast, all thanks to Robson Civil Projects. Let's get back to Greg Ferguson, operations manager. He's been in the green room and you can tell he's a big character, a big personality. But he's been with Robson Civil Projects for a quarter of a century. There's numerous staff members who've celebrated milestones this year, including, and I find this hard to comprehend, 40 years with the one business. Actually, there's been a couple. One of the famous Robson brothers, Mark, has celebrated 40 years this year. I think you'll find Daryl Smith has also celebrated 40 years, and it's a testament to the company and overall that they have a longevity of employees like they do. And Greg, what if you're at school and yeah, you feel like you'd like to jump into the workforce because you'd like to get a trade behind you? What can you do? So that's a funny thing. It's not probably not a real well-known, well-known apprenticeship uh, civil construction. It's not something that's broadcast like a builder or a brickie or a plumber or all those sort of things. It's um, but civil construction is an apprenticeship, and we've just taken on a, a great bunch of people that um, I think we just started a new uh, four new apprentices and look great young people that we're really looking forward to bringing through the business. What does Robson Civil Projects mean to you? Oh, it's been my life for the last twenty-five years, mate. It's um, yeah, it's a great place to work, and it doesn't, you know, it's not one of those places where you get out of bed every morning and drag your knuckles. You just you get out of bed and you look forward to going to work, to work with the people and, you know, to do the job we do. Always great to talk to you. Best wishes for you and the team at Robson Civil Projects. Thanks, Steve. Like I say, mate, always great to uh, to chat. Love the perfect 10 and really enjoy listening to all the uh, the athletes and, and the people that you talk to. Greg Ferguson, Operations Manager at Robson Civil Projects. Well, that's a wrap for Episode 46. Thanks again to Abby Wilcox. They're the stories I really love where someone fights their way back to the top after years of adversity and well done to Abby. Best wishes moving forward. Thanks for listening. Take care and we'll catch you again soon on The Perfect 10.